Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Beck. And this is DVD Clutter. Hi. Hi. We're here to talk about your film. We sure are. Your favourite film of all time. You know, <laughs> you mock my films. No, not all of them. Not all of them. What but apparently this one. I do have a lot. There's a lot of scope there. It's exactly. Anyway, we are here. We've got one of my DVDs. Yes. Uh, and we're the podcast where we look at DVDs. Oh, yeah, we are too. And then declutter them. That's right. Paul yeah. has 500 DVDs he has to get rid of. I, unfortunately, agreed to watch them, <laughs> to watch them with him, talk about them, and then he can decide which ones to throw away, which ones to keep. I will also do the same for my small DVD collection. Yeah. 40, down to like... 38, I think. In now. a real mark of solidarity there. Exactly, yeah. Look, I'm taking one for the team. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife should thank me. Elizabeth needs yeah. to. I think <laughs> she, she, she is very thankful. <laughs> and today we are looking at one of my DVDs. The Sunshine. F- Sunshine. The Danny Boyle film from the year 2007. Yeah. The Danny Boyle film that nobody knows. I know it. Oh, yeah. Me too now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was also surprised... Uh, doing a little bit of research on this and how many films he's done. Oh, really? Yeah. How many films has he done? We know him from, if you don't know who Danny Boyle is, we know him from Slumdog Millionaire. Steve Jobs, 127 Hours. 28 Days Later. Yeah, that's a really, really big one. Probably should have mentioned that one. That's right, I forgot yeah. as well. And um, the upcoming film, which will be released by the time that you hear this, Yesterday, is oh, his new one coming out. Very good. So he's very he's a prolific film director, a lot yeah. of success. Liverpool accent. Yes, that's right. Um, um, Train Spotting. That's, oh, that's yeah, the obviously. giant film yes. that really made his career. Yes. Anyway, Danny Boyle made a sci-fi film called Sunshine. Yes. I bought it on a DVD, and yeah. we're going to talk about it today. Yes. It's got Cillian Murphy. Killian Murphy. I yep. always mess that up. Killian Murphy. It's got uh, Captain America. <laughs> Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. That's his name. And it's got <laughs> local actress Rose Byrne. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, as well yeah. as it all... All star-studded yeah, cast. Like, like a lot of people that are uh, doing things still. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a bit about how you got the film? How does how did this DVD come into your life? I will. Um, much like you with Garden State, my story is more so about the film rather than the DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out at a stage of my life where I was really starting to get into film. And um, this was a film that was showing at, guess where, the Nova. <laughs> Oi, you didn't let me guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have guessed, I actually was going to go for Astor, mm. but on a similar. Oh, this is before I even really knew the Astor was a thing. Okay. I'd seen the programs around and thought that was cool, but too cool for me Yeah. <laughs> at that stage. you got to build up to that. Yeah. Um, so it was a stage of my life where I was seeing more film. Yeah. Um, my mum was starting to take me to films at the Nova in Carlton and would see sort of films that you know you wouldn't wouldn't normally uh blip on the radar in Ballarat but this did eventually come out in Ballarat as well though your mum is probably the person who's given you your love of film would you say exactly yes um share that yeah and I remember both seeing this film and really discussing it and the reason why it sticks in my memory apart from the fact that I really love this film Is oh, okay. <laughs> that I remember really liking it. Yeah. And then I remember David from Margaret and David. Yeah. So in Australia, the two sort of uh, most well-known film reviewers, they did a yep. show on ABC or on SBS and ABC. Called out the movies. Yeah, called out the movies. Go and look look at it on YouTube. It's great. Yeah. David didn't like aspects of this film. 
and I just remember being really shocked by it. <laughs> David is, he was definitely uh, had very high standard. Like he, he was like, Margaret was always a bit more like, oh, you know. Yeah, I just remember, and I'll quote it later on when we go through the plot, but he brought up a couple of pretty big plot holes in this. And I just oh. remember feeling really deflated and being like, oh. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Because I'd seen this at the Nova and thought, oh, this is cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I loved this film when I saw it. I think I saw it twice in the cinemas. I saw it once at the Nova with mum and then I saw it with a school friend when it came to Ballarat. And I got the poster and it was on my wall. Wow. I think it's still on my bedroom wall. At home? At home. Oh, that's in Ballarat. awesome. That's so cute. Uh, so I got the DVD pretty early, watched it a bit. I remember, I remember the DVD menu, but I can't remember like watching. I must have gone through some of the special features. Yeah. So that's where it came. I must have just picked it up and just gone. I remember loving that film. Yeah. I want to own it. Oh, so yeah, that's, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So how old were you at that time? Two thousand and seven. I would have been year ten. And had you seen any other Danny Boyle? Like, were you like aware of? I was aware of uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. I hadn't seen it yet because I was just... That was probably the stage of my life where I was just starting to approach horror okay. as a genre. <laughs> and that was a little too scary for me. <laughs> well. Yeah. Which, you know, this one is a bit scary too. And yeah. I do remember being a bit scared of it in the cinema. But just the atmosphere of this film is just amazing. And I'm a huge fan of sci-fi too. But yeah. I just think it's really well done. And you see some sort of Danny Boyle tropes in there, yep. not as bombastically as he sort of does these days. What I thought, a word. Oh, thank you. Bombastic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've been doing my clueless word yeah. a day calendar. Oh, yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. I think... Yeah, okay. Bit things, subtle, yeah. A bit more subtle? A little bit more subtle. I think yeah. uh, Steve Jobs, I remember seeing that and thinking, okay, he's now basically trying to make a Danny Boyle film, I think, rather than <laughs> Danny Boyle making a film. Naturally, yeah, okay. But anyway, I went off on a tangent there. Sunshine... I loved it, and that's why I bought it on DVD. Very good. And, which is weird for me. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, it's about uh, it's a sci-fi, like you hinted at. It's a sci-fi film about a group of astronauts who have volunteered to head off towards the sun because the sun is dying. Mm. So this is obviously in the future. I actually yeah. don't know when it's set. I think 2057. That's coming up. I know. Or 2053. I can't remember. Okay. Someone can fact check us. Yeah. Um, sometime in the future. And 2057. It's oh, on the back of the DVD. Don't there worry. Yeah. Phew. And the sun is dying. So this group of astronauts have volunteered to go and take a massive bomb up to the sun to reignite the sun. There's six or seven. There's- Eight. Uh, seven. Seven. Oh, there's eight on the crew. Sorry, eight my mistake. Crew. Yeah. Yep. Eight crew members. A special ninth main... guy comes later, but you'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the main one is um, Kappa, played by Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. And he's the physicist he's on the physicist. ship. He's a physicist, yeah. So he's the one who's like programmed the bomb, built the bomb, understands the bomb. He's yeah. very important to the mission. Mm. He's quite young. Um, he has those beautiful Killian Murphy big oh. eyes and the he's such an attractive man oh my god he? he's like oh, a little geez. um he's like a a, a doe a deer a female deer <laughs> a baby deer what's yeah. a baby deer called bambi a bambi he's a bambi he's a bambi he's got those big eyes so he's like the main one that we are meant to identify with yeah. he's like our our main character but it's kind of i found it kind of weird because he doesn't he's not like first on the scene he's not the first shot that you get you don't get a whole lot of 
time with him except that you get a little bit more of his backstory than the others anyway so they're off on this journey it looks boring on like like an all sort of like long spaceship yeah there's just eight of them they yeah. all seem at the start of the film they all seem a bit bored but they're, yeah. they're getting close to the sun they are getting close until suddenly they hear a mysterious um blip a radio <laughs> signal yeah a distress signal a distress signal and they're like oh my god what is that what we could figure out what it is Probably Icarus 1. Their ship is called Icarus 2. Yeah. Um, and Icarus 1 went up on the same mission, the exact same mission that they did, but had failed. And they hadn't been able to... Humans had never found out what happened to them. Yeah. But they suddenly get this distress signal and they decide to divert to um, check it out. So they do that. Obviously, it goes wrong. Oh, yeah. As soon as you see a distress... If you're in space, let me just tell you. If you're in space, you're on a path, you hear a distress signal. Just Please let it slide. It. <laughs> Don't worry. It's never going to go well. Why do they even put distress signals in spaceships? Because it's just going to screw over who else comes across them. Yeah. So, you know, all you young astronauts out there, Mm. listen up. Um, And then, so they go, they head off to find the Icarus 1. They jump across to Icarus 1. They kind of figure out everyone's dead. But the garden is still alive. So there's The life support systems are all there. So. Everything it's not like, a mechanical fault. No, they're like nothing is nothing here shows why they have died. Everything's still working. They've got oxygen. They've got water. Except for one thing, someone has destroyed the motherboard, so the ship's communication stuff is down. Is down. It's been destroyed. It's yes, been tampered sabotage. with. Yes. And then what happens next? So at that point, uh, they've got half the crew on Icarus two, half the crew on Icarus one. Something happens and it rips them apart. Mm-hmm. The crew they're on Icarus. One are trapped. Yep. Then they come up with an ingenious plan to get most of them back, but one guy has to sacrifice himself. Yep. Uh, they're all on Icarus 2 now, heading towards the sun, knowing they're going to die because in the process of getting to this ship, they lost all their oxygen supplies, so they, yep. they're going to die. Yeah, they've kind of, they're at peace now with the fact that yep. they are going down with the ship. There's kind of subplots going on where they're running out of oxygen, so a couple of other crew members they're have dropping like died. Flies. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few left. But guess what? Killian Murphy's doing just some computer shit and he's like, hey, computer, can you just tell me how many people are on this ship? And the computer's like, five. And he goes, nah, there's four computer. And, and the, the computer's, computer's like, like, nah, no, nah. nah, five. So guess what's happened? The captain, Mark Strong... Of the Icarus One. ...was still alive. Yes. And he was the guy that went crazy. And sabotaged their ship. Yeah. And he snuck across to sabotage Icarus Two as well. Which, I hope this is one of the plot holes that uh, david brings up but how well that's what david said and okay. david also said they've got this super intelligent computer running the ship and it wasn't until killian murphy asked the question how, how many? many people are on the <laughs> ship that the computer just goes oh there's a random extra person that i've never seen before but it's fine yeah it's fine i'm not meant to identify that <laughs> yeah so. yeah um, i remember that really crushed me i was like oh yeah i guess no. probably should have but hey, you don't have to have logic no, all the time like it. you've got to suspend your disbelief as i continuously yeah. say to my year 11 students yeah um <laughs> <laughs> so do i but i teach math <laughs> so eventually they find out that this person this intruder who is the captain of icarus one who's become addicted has, to the sun well not yeah not only addicted but like is fully kind of he's enveloped like, in the sun he's yeah. burning up the whole time you can never actually get a good look at his face because he's just like la- molten lava almost mm. this human made of lava um, and he's after them all. So yeah. at this point, we kind of turn into a horror film. That's it, because he loves the sun, and he's decided that the sun is a god, and the sun's decided that the human race should die, yeah. so they shouldn't interfere. And it's just he just wants it to be him and the god. Yeah. Him and god. 
so they all fight with him. Eventually, he dies? Yeah, kind of. How does he die? He fights with a lot of them, gets pretty torn up, quite literally. Yeah, quite graphic scene. A bit yes. where he rips off his yes. arm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. There's was a really scene fun. where Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, rips, <laughs> rips off the this, skin. The skin of this. Uh, the burning the lava skin. Yeah, in a gross way. They all fight him, and Killian Murphy manages to get the bomb and fly it himself. Yep. Into, into the, the sun. sun. Yep. So we end on him kind of heading straight towards the sun. Yep. And then there's a bit of a sting though after after that, where we go back down to Earth. Oh yeah. And we see Killian Murphy's sister. Yep. In Sydney. In well, that's that's the big reveal. So it's snow everywhere, like you know, ankle deep snow. Yeah. And then the sun starts to get brighter. And then it pans out and you see the opera house. Dun, dun, dun. A gripping twist. But also uplifting because he had said to his sister, Killian Murphy had said to his sister, sorry, Kappa had said to his sister, mm. if you see the sun become a little brighter one day, one day you wake up and the sun's just a little bit brighter and it's a little bit more beautiful, you'll know that we've succeeded. And as this beautiful day dawns, we know that he's succeeded. The end. Cue tears. Yeah. Emotion. Then, no, cute. Did you sit through the credits? No. Oh, geez, that was confusing. Oh, what happened in the so credits? So, the credits roll, and then they move to the side of the screen, and a little picture box starts, right? Right. And you're like, oh, this will be like, I don't know, some follow up. You see grass grow on earth, or, you know, yeah. something cool. Yeah. But no, it's basically just a montage of the whole film from oh. go to woe, from opening credits to the final scene. So, they're like, now scene. we will show you the same film in five minutes. It's, it's a highlight reel. Oh. I could have just watched that. I know. It's really weird. I just don't know why they... It's like so You weird. sit there and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't like me and turn it off. Yeah. Uh, I really wish I sat through the whole commentary to understand, to see if they give any they insight into... Oh, yeah, but that's We kind of thought people would forget by now, so we thought... <laughs> <laughs> Well, so what did you think after all this time? Yes. <laughs> you thought yes. <laughs> Uh, now, after all this time, I still really loved it. And I think it's down to two things. It's the atmosphere and the pacing of this film. That even though there are some pretty gaping plot holes in it mm-hmm. and some silliness and even some confusion at the end, I think the atmosphere that's built through lighting, cinematography mainly, mm. um, as well as, of course, a hand in direction, mm. at the start allows for that end. Mm. You really do see the sun as this sort of godly presence yeah. and it's affecting people yeah and it gives you that license i think to sort of have a mystery as to what's really going on inside people's head and between yeah. the crew you assume yeah. that the things that have been sabotaged have been were the captain of the other ship but yes who's to say someone else hadn't gone hadn't gone sun crazy yeah uh the pacing of the film is just perfect it starts off mechanical and slow like these people that are in a routine on a ship that they've been doing for years and years and years yeah and then as things start to happen it it just increases ever so slightly till it sort of all rushes through at the end yeah there's some really great bits and these are the boylesque bits that uh kind of sound like burlesque (laughs) it's not (laughs) definitely not burlesque Uh, go back to genetic opera if you (laughs) if you want burlesque we've done our burlesque for this month um but boylesque sort of bits where he when they enter that enter Icarus One for the first time, yeah. So when they get onto Icarus One, you start to see these little flashes of crew members from Icarus One just cut into the film, yeah. Uh, which gives a really eerie, spooky Unsettling. feel, and it really yeah. it 
it flicks the switch to now we're in a sci-fi sort of horror. Yeah. But it's something that he definitely does later is sort of cut to stills yep. and use especially lighting yep. in a great way. So I think, yeah, atmosphere and pacing and not a thousand percent believable sci-fi story, but still one that I think the power of the sun <laughs> is something that we can all sort of feel. Yep. And because of that, I loved it then and I still really enjoyed it now, though now I can sort of see why. David said some of those mean things at the time. <laughs> what a meanie. Yep. How about you? I'm really interested to see what you think about this. Because um, this is one that I really do think is coloured a lot by nostalgia for me. Yeah. I have to preface my whole review by saying that I was in a bit of a grump when I watched it. <laughs> and I don't think that I had the patience to let that atmosphere that you're talking about kind of settle over me. Because I was a bit what do you call it? Like hyperactive or like yeah. I was a bit kind of come on, come on, something should happen now. Yeah. But I love the opening scene. The opening scene I, I really liked with where um, one of the characters, actually the the ship psychologist, his name's Searle, he is sitting in the sun, the observatory room where yeah. they kind of have this big open glass window to see whatever's out there. At the moment, they're aimed towards the sun. So obviously, they were aimed towards the sun. So they have like the shield down. So he can't, he's not going to burn up. But he keeps on asking Icarus, the computer, to ease off on the shield. So it gets hotter and hotter and hotter until it's, he's kind of like enveloped in this like bath of um, sunlight and of energy of energy yeah and I, I kind of love that image and I love that I can imagine that feeling and I could I could imagine that being an amazing experience and you can sort of imagine his addiction to oh, it oh yeah too. because he was by, by the end of the film you could see he had a very he was very very tanned and he had burn marks kind of peeling his face and he's one of the ones he sacrifices himself later to save the others so you can you kind of know that he, that's he's heading that way because yeah. he's almost heading the same way as the captain of Icarus, Icarus One, One with this um, addiction to the sun. But you can that is done in a very believable way from that opening sequence, and I, I kind of love that. I was really put off by the voice of Icarus. Oh wow! Because she was like, "Hi." Hi, Sir. I can't do the voice, but <laughs> we should try and play it. But she's very cold. No, like no. too sensual. Oh, I found. I, I did not pick up. You on did that. not pick up on that. Yeah. I was like, why? Because she's a computer thing. So why wouldn't she just be like, yes, Captain? Blah blah. But she's like, she's kind of whispering in that start sequence, and I think it's probably because they wanted to create that atmosphere of like. Mm. You know, something Eeriness. that's out of world, yeah. out otherworldly. Um, so they didn't want to interrupt it with this very robotic voice. But it comes across, for me, I was like, oh, it just came across as being very, like, sexy and sultry. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, wow. Give women a break. <laughs> but maybe I'm, maybe, I don't know. That's oh. very much my point of view. I kind of want to listen to the voice again now. Can we just find it? Okay. I found the clip. You found the clip? Yeah, I found the clip. And now we're going to have a listen and see what the voice sounds like. See if I am a, as I have been accused of being, mm -hmm. a militant feminist. <laughs> not by me. <laughs> no, 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 my Paul, to be clear. Yeah. Um, let's listen and see what we think about Icarus's voice. Icarus? Please refilter the observation portal. Filter up or down, Dr. Searle. Down. 
What do you think? Okay. I, now that I can see it sort of through <laughs> that lens, it's quite a sultry yes, voice. Yes, Dr. Searle. Up or down. <laughs> exactly. Which, look, that didn't even register for me before, but I can understand. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from yeah, there. I don't think I'm crazy. No. Yeah, thanks. And so having that come up so early on, I'm sure that probably jolted you a bit too yeah yeah it made me go like oh god okay but the rest of the film was good i think i mean yeah it was it was fine i didn't hate it i did definitely didn't love it i probably wouldn't watch it again yeah but i also enjoy sci-fi generally so i've i did enjoy watching like i youtubed a um interview with danny boyle and Dr. Brian Cox, who we yeah. all love, the um, awesome astrophysicist, astrophysicist, also we, musician. Who, when I bought this DVD, I wouldn't have had any idea who he well, was. Well, no, I, it was interesting when they were talking about it in the interview. The interview was done in 2013, and I think at the time when he was um, consulting on Sunshine, he was kind of unknown. Mm. Um, obviously, he was working on a lot of physics physics he was working on science yes he was working on the large hadron yeah. collider yeah, yeah pretty amazing anyway but he was unknown in terms of he hadn't done any of his um now famous tv shows or yeah. wonders know. of the universe wonders of the solar system exactly. all of those all ones. the wonders so i'm kind of interested i was very interested in listening to that and listening to like the kind of rationalization behind each decision that they made and all of that stuff as a story i didn't find it so gripping I wished that we had more time when it was a horror movie, when it was the sci-fi horror. Like, yeah. I think I liked that a bit better. You know, I liked I liked that kind of intrigue, the monotony of that first part where, you know, they're just kind of going through life and having well, their little fights and stuff. Whereas I say you can't have one without the other. I think that, that payoff at the end becomes so much more powerful. And I think some of those plot gaps or the sort of confusion at the end is allowed because you've got that monotony at the start. Maybe, but I think... It could have just been my state of mind at yeah. the time where I needed to be like, yeah. you know, I needed to be entertained. You wanted quickly. this film as a vine. Exactly. Well, look, if I had known the, it was the at the end, yeah. <laughs> um, it would have been perfect. But I, yeah, I just think I didn't really have the patience for it. But I mean, it wasn't, I definitely looked it up afterwards and was surprised by how many people liked it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't look at the online reviews. I meant to do it. Yeah, I think it's in its 70s in Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Yep. But I don't think it wasn't received very well at the time. No. It was kind of, as Danny Boyle says in this interview, you couldn't pay people to go and see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think its problem was that it does try to straddle that line between something that's a a bit more sort of out there science fi. Science fi. Science fi. (laughs) (laughs) A bit more out there sci fi and still try to be a big action blockbuster with sort of set pieces and. It straddles that line, yep. not ultimately successfully, I don't think. I can yeah. understand those flaws, yeah. but for a sort of niche genre that fits to my liking, it ticks the boxes. It was fine, yeah. yeah. I think if I watched it in a cinema um, mm. where I was like really in the mood to watch something like this, I would have had a, probably a very different experience. Yeah. Because I love, I really, like, atmospheric films are one of my favourite kind of genres. Yeah, why not? <laughs> We're making up genres. Yeah. Um, I love the atmosphere created in films where, with the music and, you know, all of that stuff, the visuals. And if it's if you have that surround sound and you have the patience to sit there and take it in, then it can be so powerful. But unfortunately, that wasn't me on this day. Well, that's disappointing. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the first one that we've sort of ultimately disagreed I think so. on? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Except for Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. We agreed. 
It's a great film. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm glad you looked up a bit of the uh, background of the film. Brian Cox does a commentary of the film. Yeah, and so I that's watched, why I looked up because I was so intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah, I watched maybe the first half hour of his commentary, yeah. um, which was just great because he was brought in to consult. Yeah. And did, did he tell the story on the interview that you watched about how he got brought in? No. Well, so the guy who wrote it, Alex Garland, yeah. Academy Award nominee Alex Garland for Ex Machina is what he wrote oh. and directed. Yeah. He wrote this script, Danny Boyle read it, and it was about the mission and they had a young physicist in it. And Danny Boyle and Alex Garland both a bit like, oof, young physicists, do they exist? <laughs> So they were watching um, a BBC documentary where Brian Cox had an interview oh. and then Danny Boyle suddenly stopped and went, oh, there's a young physicist. Let's get him. So they called him up and he was the consultant on the film. Whoa. And um, Killian Murphy actually trailed him for a few months yeah, beforehand to get all his um, yeah, movements down pat. That's and amazing. That's a lot of the commentary was uh, Brian Cox being like, oh, yeah, I do that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do that. <laughs> so obviously, yeah, they took the science seriously. They and did. the way that Brian Cox describes it too is, is like, it was really interesting to me to sort of be this scientific consultant and see what's important for science because you want that to be sort of realistic. But also, he's like, I do understand that it's going to be a film that you want people to watch so it's not just going to be a lot of people sitting in front of data which is actually a lot of what science is well yeah i think they found the perfect person for the Mm. job because i don't know i mean it could have been anyone who was interviewed but maybe there was something about him that really sparked their interest because he does understand especially with his later tv shows and his books and everything they're written and produced for the common person yeah. you know they're not that they're not like strictly cold science it's like very human also he was really um taken by the science of the film uh, an example of that is early on he talks about the science behind the sun dying yeah and he said when he read the script he told the writer well look the sun isn't going to die in 2057 we've got <laughs> a lot more time than that we'll so, we'll uh, pollute the earth to destruction before we, that's before it. the sun dies but brian cox was sort of torn up by this issue because he was like oh that's unchangeable for the film i need to go figure out why the sun's dying so he went off and talked to all these researchers about a possible way that the sun could be dying and they did some actual like research into this different form of matter that could form and sort of act as a cancer inside the sun and that could be undetected and so basically he did all this research just so he could feel comfortable with the plot moving forward because that is not it is not talked about in the film why the sun's dying we all kind of know that the sun is a dying star or whatever and we just accept that but poor brian is like he wouldn't need to justify this and figured out like oh you know give or take this kind of could be a thing oh yeah that's awesome um and it was just just brilliant so i just love to hear how excited he was to work on the project and i guess how excited the production was to have link in with science yeah yeah i think that was one of the the best bits about sort of seeing the making of this film was how much the science was involved I also think seeing both Alex Garland as the writer of the film and Danny Boyle seeing this as sort of a step in their evolution. Yep. So Danny Boyle and Alex Garland had worked together a few times before. Alex yep. Garland wrote 28 Days Later. Yep. He also wrote the book that The Beach was based on, which oh. is um, Danny Boyle's sort of is in, that the Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, one? infamous complete that was... bomb that almost sent him back, you know, <laughs> off the radar forever. So... They'd come together a few times before, and yeah. it's great to see aspects of Danny Boyle, you know, who flourishes later and does Slumdog Millionaire, yeah. which won him the Oscar. But also, I guess, Alex Garland starting to deal with these sci-fi concepts yeah. that 
I guess he's really well, known for now. Well, they talk about as well the fact that he, Alex Garland, has a was is quite a like determined atheist, or like a very staunch atheist. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of the God and the Son being God was kind of not something that I think he wanted to focus on as much, maybe. And then yeah. with it was through the conversation with Danny Boyle that that kind of ended up coming into kind of the, what it became. Um, and they talked about how the starting of the film was meant to be two people playing chess. I think it was meant yeah. to be. Did they talk about that too? Yeah, there was, I saw that deleted scene. Yeah. Oh, really? So they yeah. actually shot it. Yeah. yeah. So the start of the film was meant to be Kappa and... The captain. And the captain playing chess. Yeah. And it was also meant to end like that as well as they kind of flew into mm. space. There was a lot of deleted scenes actually of sort of the chess pieces being put into scenes. And right. It was, uh, that was, of, and that was completely taken Continuing motif out. that was taken out yeah. because apparently it just got too confusing yeah right um, yeah. and i think that was maybe more alex garland's rational kind of brain yeah. and then being eventually letting go to becoming this idea of the sun and what the, the power that the sun has over us and mm. that it's kind of it doesn't have to be god but it, it kind of is emotional or spiritual or something in a way that maybe we can't rationalize our feelings towards the sun that's its need for the sun but also i think the comment there was talking about how when you strip sort of all of life away like they've been cut off from their families cut off from the world cut off from events anything sort of cut up from the sort of daily routine yeah that you you latch on to something you need to find sort of purpose purpose in something and I think that's part of what it's sort of saying is yep. this, this sun suddenly becomes... Their world. Yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. Um, there was another deleted scene later in the film where Mark Strong, who plays the captain um, in his weird lava form, yeah. uh, actually speaks a bit more and sort of talks about like... I think, you know, takes some of the ambiguity out of it and says, yes, I worship the sun now. Like, you know, basically. <laughs> yes, okay. Which I can see why they cut it because it was a You're bit... You're not really needed. No, yeah. it was a bit whack over the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think of how the film looked? I thought there were some incredibly beautiful oh, yeah, moments beautiful. too. Uh, the sun itself is expertly constructed. I think yeah. the visual effects on this have done incredibly well. Yeah, definitely. The DVD, I don't think, does it justice, yeah. really. Yeah, I think, um, if, again, if I'd seen it in a cinema, yeah. my experience might have been quite different. Yeah, but very oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the the oxygen lab, so they have this lab on Icarus that is basically a living forest yeah. uh, to create the oxygen. Yeah. Um, but it's just set up in such a beautiful it's way, both, both in its form then later when it burns down. Yeah. It's also quite a, uh, a beautiful set when yeah. it's destroyed as well, yeah. which I think was really good. Yeah, it was yeah. Really devastating, good. obviously. Mm. Yeah. So um, how do you think this film holds up today? Uh, yeah, pretty good. It's not There's that nothing old, that's like 12 like, years old. Yeah, we had, you know, some cultural diversity. We had two women aboard. There's this weird love interest, kind of, between Rose Byrne's character and Kappa, which Killian Murphy is just, like, nodding to her at all, as far as I can tell. That's why that's no. kind of what I got. And she's, like, a bit obsessed with him. Yeah. Um, and, like, wants to be around him and wants to kind of have this deep connection with him. And he's just, like, off, his, off in his own world. Yeah, which... I'll give some insight into that in a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe there was something else that was cut out. Was yeah. There? Okay, that makes more sense. Because I did find it interesting that... When it when it came down to the fact that they had limited oxygen left because their living forest had been destroyed, so mm. they only had enough oxygen to last four people to get to the sun. Yeah, and they had five people on board. This is before the evil guy got there, and so they were like, "Oh, we have to kill this other guy who had already he'd made a bad mistake, and you know he was kind of almost suicidal already." Yeah, and so Michelle Yeoh's character it was just like very like, "Yes, we have to kill straight him down straight the line. away." Yeah. yeah. 
but the more in quotation marks feminine Rose Byrne was more like I can't be a part of this I can't be a part of this like she couldn't get into that rational brain yeah which I found interesting because I just think they they probably wanted to make her a more likable character it was the Asian woman who was more hard-lined and like cold about it and then the you know, beautiful young woman, white woman, sorry, the beautiful young white woman was very like, no, we can't. Save him, we can't. Yeah, exactly. And very much sitting on the point of, I guess, where most of the audience would be, like, you know, you can't just kill someone. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'd be like, you have to kill him. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know. Hopefully I will never be in that situation where I'm flying towards the sun. <laughs> but you have to kill him because otherwise everyone dies and then the whole planet dies. Yeah. Like, let's think logically. So the relationship there between Rose Byrne and Killian Murphy's characters kind of came up as a bit of a uh, accident, really, oh. in that um, Cliff Curtis... Searle, who Searle, plays the, who, the psychologist. The psychologist on board. Uh, his father got sick in New Zealand and he had to leave set. Oh. So a few of the scenes with Rose Byrne were going to actually be between Killian and Cliff. Oh. So instead they shot them with Rose Byrne or in a couple of cases reshot a couple of scenes to sort of make Killian and Rose's relationship stronger. Stronger. But it's clear that this sort of happened at some point later on. So in some of the scenes that obviously were shot before that decision was made, that connection isn't established. established. Yeah. Which is, you know, I guess it's just part reality of the of, reality yeah, of filming. filmmaking. That's just what had to happen. Wow, and that's so interesting. Yeah, and in a, quite a few of the scenes where, because Cliff wears these sunglasses yeah. and a hat, and that's partially to do with the fact that they had to get a stand-in for a lot of these sort of background oh. scenes. That wasn't him. That was an extra they hired that looked Whoa. like his basic body shape. Wow. Yeah. Well, luckily that works very well with the oh, idea God. that he was obsessed with the sun. He keeps on wearing these sunglasses and the baseball exactly. hat. Exactly. It just worked out. Yeah. You know, they, a lot of quick thinking on yeah, their part yeah, to yeah. go, this is how we're going to... Get around it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. I don't know if Chris Evans mm. would be believable now as a, someone who is evil or no. like someone who is unlikable. That's just it. He, he straddles this line between like a really big douchebag who's got good intentions. And he's almost unrecognizable as Chris Evans. Because we most know Chris Evans from Captain, Captain America. America. Who's super like, buff. Yeah, super buff. Clean guy, shaven. Clean shaven. You know, the quintessential good man. And so this is a very different character for him to play, which I actually loved. I loved Me him too. in this role. It was so good. It was so refreshing because now when I see him, I just have so many associations of Captain America with him. And it kind of like... Ken dolls me out like he's a bit like Ken doll so I loved him in this yeah and I remember watching it the first time having now watched it again I knew that that captain from the first ship reappears yeah but watching it the first time you very much are sort of led to believe that Chris Evans character might be the, might be the guy sabotaging yeah. it because he you know people go against his decisions yep. he seems a bit off kilter you're also yep. led to um, feel that that the psychologist is also because yes, going off kilter, going off yes, kilter totally. son. and then you're also led to believe that Benedict Wong after he makes some poor decisions is also going off kilter yes. so I remember watching it that first time and thinking who's sabotaging yeah, it could be anyone are they in it together I thought yep. maybe that actually some of them had sort of formed some sort of weird sun cult I don't know <laughs> yeah. especially when you see them going to Icarus from one and you think maybe that's what happened there yeah, and they come back and yeah that's yeah. true yeah so I remember it was a bit more of a mystery but yeah. because Mark Strong's captain character is so his visualization is something that you remember yes. when you see this weird 
lava muscle yeah. gross thing yeah um you don't forget that no. so i didn't have that joy of reseeing the mystery and if you haven't watched it you're not going to have it now so <laughs> your fault for not watching along with us just skip skip from the start to the end <laughs> to now and you'll be fine the special features i didn't watch them all but there's quite a few of them i listened to a bit of the commentaries both brian cox's and danny boyle's wait so they didn't do one together they did one no, each. no they did oh, one each wow um, gosh and then i watched the deleted scenes also yep. with danny boyle's commentary yeah they also have uh, a couple of short films on there that i didn't get to do they? yeah so i think a couple of danny boyle's early oh, ones like let's just chuck this on yep as was the stage early dvd yeah the thing that disappointed me the most is there's this packaging of the dvd yeah. say includes never seen before alternate ending is that an alternate ending i was very excited to see what that was to see what it isn't the alternate ending was well what's packaged on the dvd is the alternate ending was test footage they shot of the ending um so the ending where they go back to earth and you see it's a snow-covered sydney yeah as a proof of concept what they did is they just shot it in a cold park near the studio yeah the same exact scene that's not an alternate ending. Yeah, except without it being in Sydney, just to sort of show the idea. apparently the producer what the idea would kind of look like. So That's I was super disappointed. That's yeah. advertising. And then, yeah, Danny Boyle has a commentary of it too, and he's like, oh yeah, this is some test footage. <laughs> he wasn't told it was way no. <laughs> the alternate ending. <laughs> because that's one of the things i love about the dvd format is you can have these alternate endings or yeah. different cuts and yeah. i think that's that would be a reason to keep it yeah very yeah. true speaking of i know it's come to that time i know and that's where my decision was i really thought this was going to be one that i was going to keep yeah uh, mainly because how much i enjoyed it yep and there was the alternate ending on there and which i obviously didn't watch or had watched and been disappointed by it before and forgot, and forgot about it yeah. so going into it i was like well i'm probably going to keep this yeah. but then two things happened one thing was that alternative ending and i'm like well there's no point keeping it for that and also just because it is an early dvd that image quality is not worth keeping it for and for such a, a visually yeah. pleasing film yeah i want to have this in the best format available yeah. which is sadly not, not the dvd can you get it in another format? I know you can definitely still buy it on Blu-ray, but I've okay. not checked if it's on Netflix or Stan. So you can always buy it on Google Play or iTunes. Yes, or YouTube. Or YouTube. Oh, yeah, I forget you can do that. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, that might be the way to go. I will be a little bit sad to lose the Brian Cox commentary, but that's more so something that I'm glad I know exists yeah. and I've <laughs> yeah. seen a bit of now. Give me a couple of fun party facts for whenever you're at a party and someone brings up the film Sunshine, which I'm sure always I happens think. to people... Every day. Every day, yeah. So, um, yes, so what I, are you gonna do then? I'm going to donate it. You're going to donate it? Yep. Okay. I, it's just, it's not because this is the first one that I really did enjoy watching again. No, I've only got 40 to keep and yes, yeah, exactly. I want to make sure. It's going to be, a, there's going to be some really hard decisions for you. Yes. There actually is and you're going to have to make them. One that I will have to make next week. Oh my God. Is our next film. We're going to another one of mine for a special reason. Yes. I'm off to Japan next week. Woohoo! Yep, that's right. And I was like, how can we tie this in? Because I'm going to get back. I'm going to be really tired and we're going to have to record and maybe we should have something kind of Japanese. We're going with a Japanese film. We're going with a Japanese, not just a Japanese film, a Japanese horror film. Yes, J-horror. Yep. So this is Infection. Mm-hmm. Directed by Masayuki Ochiai. And it is about an infection which slowly kills people. Yeah, I think it, it, it um, melts your organs. Yes. I love infection movies. I love horror movies. I'm really looking forward to it. Our first foreign film. 
It is our first foreign film, true. Subtitles ahoy. Oh my god. Except for you, because you'll be fluent in Japanese after oh, being yeah, there yeah. for a week, That's right? Oh, yeah, two weeks. Oh, Excuse sorry, me. oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so if you've ever heard of infection, or might have it floating around somewhere in your back cupboard, do watch along, because I feel like uh, if you are listening to this podcast, you might get a bit more out of it if you have seen the film, maybe. or at least Wikipedia'd it. Or maybe <laughs> you might think that's a waste of time. Fair enough. I'll let these two dweebs tell me about it. Yep. So also you can at us mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram. You yep. can email us. That disdain you just had for Twitter just there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I could see it. No, no one likes Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> we've um, got one. We've got one. It's at DVD Clutter, which is D-V-D-E-C-L-U-T-T-E-R. And same name for Instagram. You can also email us at DVDclutter at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just click on PM, or DM. PM. <laughs> Send us your Prime Minister. <laughs> Please, um. New Zealand, help us. <laughs> just kidding. Um, send us on, yeah. Send us a DM or uh, leave us a review. We got oh, a, yeah. a great review from my mum on Aww. iTunes. So thanks, mum. Thanks, Linda. Thanks for introducing me to Sunshine and yes. to giving us a review. Yeah. You yep. are our favourite listener of the week. Yes, but do rate and review so people uh, can find out about the podcast. Okay, well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Maybe you're a sun god and you're really offended. That's just it. Because you're like, I want humans to live, not die.